0: Matthew Scott's story has quite a story. Like Alma the Younger in the Book of Mormon, God had a plan for him all along and included waypoints along his path which guided him to his eventual happy ever after. As you listen, you might notice the following tender mercies. A friend in jail, a full body brace, and a Bible beside a bed. There are some elements of hard times here to be aware of, but just know that Matthew's story is living proof that there truly is opposition in all things. Speaking of opposition, please understand that Matthew is a native Louisianan who was briefly visiting southern Utah, and so you may hear some evidence of a battle with allergies. And of course, there is a little emotion expressed as well. It was an absolute pleasure To learn of his life and the joy he has found through Jesus Christ. This is Converted, a podcast which highlights stories of those who have come into the fold of Christ's restored church. The views expressed in this program are those of the guests and host and do not represent official church statements. My name is Tiffany Unsworth, and I'm so grateful you would consider listening to another great story of one of my friends in the faith. Okay, I am here with Matthew Scott Story, whom I just met yesterday at the soccer field, and he was visiting our hometown here, uh, with our mutual friend, Chris Tarver, whom we spoke with in an earlier episode. And when I learned that he is a convert to the church, I asked if he would be willing to share his story. How do you feel about sharing your story today, I'm Matthew? down. <laughs> oh, very. Let's do it. Okay. Well, we're so glad you're willing. So we like to start out every episode just finding out about you. Tell us a little bit about your history.
1: Okay. I am a high school dropout. Um, my father was in prison uh, when I was a kid. Um, history. You I started out in a very exciting yes. way here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, my history is one of pain, darkness, and disappointment. I think. Wow. probably the best way to describe it. Um,
0: we're not sugarcoating this, brothers and sisters. We're not going to
1: sugarcoat it, no. We're going to tell it like it is. My first memories um, coming into this world are of my father assaulting my mother physically. That's the first thing I remember. Whoa. Um, laying in the dark. I don't know how old, whenever, you know, three, four, however old you are, when you first, you, your first memories. From, yeah. Um, laying in the dark, listening to that and um my parents divorced when I was seven or eight and that pretty much for the most part ended my relationship with my father um Mm. he just kind of went off and did his own thing so I was raised by a single mother Mm -hmm.
0: and And did you
1: have siblings I did not sorry I was an only child um so I kind of grew up my dad was my hero um the the time that we lived together, even though he he wasn't a good guy, um, he was a very likable guy at times, and so he was kind of my hero, and um, so I was an angry kid, I guess I grew up an angry kid, um, Hmm. because I didn't get to have a a dad around after, you know, around seven or eight or so, unlike a lot of kids, I guess. Of course. And so uh, I got into crime, um, drugs... You know, the things that angry kids get into. Yeah. Um lots of bad things, fights. Uh, dropped out of high school, like I said. Um just didn't want to be there. Hmm. Would rather I was I was more comfortable, you know, doing drugs and hanging out and <laughs> fighting and I just um I'm trying to think. History. That pretty much covers who I was i mean i I wasn't a very complicated person, but pretty simple get high, uh get in trouble um, and don't go to school were the mottoes that I kind of lived by
0: Wow, and how old were you when you dropped out?
1: um well, the last grade I completed in high school was a ninth grade, um but I didn't. I kind of floundered around. My mom made me go to a boarding school for a while. I got kicked out of there. I had to come back to uh, the public school where I was going, but prior to that, and I got expelled from there. I think around 17, I finally, everyone was done with me. I was done with them. (laughs) You'd been through all of the
0: possible channels. Yeah,
1: I had been done with them for a long time, but (laughs) uh, it wasn't that easy. You couldn't just get out, so. Finally, at 17, they are like, okay, you know, we're done with you. They let me out. So, hmm. I dropped out with my ninth grade education in my back pocket, ready to take on the world. Hmm. So, yeah, I got... Um, I dropped out of high school, 17. Um, I got... I'd been arrested several times, um, more than I can remember, but... The last, the last one, the, the one that really stands out, was I got um, arrested for growing marijuana, which was a big deal back in the 90s in Louisiana. Hmm. Um, so I, I, went to, uh, I went to jail, and um, I didn't get bailed out because everybody was pretty much done with me at that point. So I, when you go to jail, you stay in the front until you're processed it takes a few days and then if you don't get bailed out you go into the back with all the the people waiting for trials and and this that and the other so for some reason I got put in the wing where the murderers and the rapists lived there's a lot of different places in jail sure Um, there's the guys that were there for drunk driving or
0: Tax evasion.
1: Tax evasion, speeding tickets, and then there's where I went. Um,
0: Heavy stuff.
1: Yeah, I went, I, I walked in and first thing I saw was a friend of mine who was in there for murder. Really? Yeah.
0: You knew this friend I from... Knew, he wasn't a
1: great friend, but we had been friends mm-hmm. in school and after school, uh, after we both quit school, we knew each other. And he was there for murder, kind of a famous case back then in Louisiana, and... Uh, So he kind of took me under his wing and showed me the ropes, showed me who to fight, when to fight, you know, all that stuff and how to survive. So, um, that's, that's kind of when I started to question my life choices.
0: Hmm.
1: At up until that point, I kind of saw myself as an outlaw and that's kind of how I was going to live and just kind of do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. And then, um once I got locked in a cage with rapists and murderers, I realized that um, maybe this is not the life I want to live. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is not the place for me, because I felt really out of place. Yeah. Um,
0: In some ways, are you grateful for your prison time in that way, did it?
1: I didn't ever actually go to prison, luckily. Um, But I'm grateful that I got to go there because it took something really heavy for someone like me to consider my life choices, um, obviously, people have been telling me to change my ways, and this'll happen or that'll happen, but some people have to experience it, yeah, and so yeah i got I got to experience the the um, consequences of my lifestyle
0: A lot of this, honestly. You never would have chosen if you had had a different kind of upbringing, but because right. of the atmosphere
1: you were raised in... It, it was... was just pure anger mm. and jealousy for what other people had that I didn't have. And um, But anyway, looking back on it, at the time I didn't know it, but there were several instances um, looking back where I was protected or I was... The hand of God uh, was there, in in some times where maybe I shouldn't. Like I've, I was in, I've I've had a gun pointed at me. I've been pistol whipped. I've, mm. i was in a bad, really bad car accident where someone died, um, and I wasn't seatbelted. I didn't have a seatbelt on, mm. and shouldn't have survived. And so, I, as dark as those times were for me, after the fact. I look back and I can see the hand of God preserving me. Wow.
0: That's powerful stuff.
1: For a future time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I wasn't ready then, Mm -hmm. but I was being protected in a strange way.
0: Hmm. That's an Uh, awesome witness. Like my
1: dad leaving. That was the hand of God.
0: The only chance the I had in life
1: was for him to be gone. I didn't, I didn't know it at the time. It, it hurt. and it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, I felt like it ruined my life, you know? Right. But it was the only thing that saved it. Wow. Um, walking in there and immediately seeing a friend in prison in jail. <laughs> um, not a good guy but was really good to me. Mm-hmm. Got me through that without any you know a lot of bad things could have happened a lot of bad things almost happened when i was in there mhm but he was there
0: interesting um so where did you go from there you got out or... i got
1: out um i talked my mom into uh putting up her house to get me out wow and um, um so I pulled, I tugged on her heartstrings and and finally got her to help me get out of there and just to wait for trial, you know. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to wait in there. And then um, it went away. The whole thing went away. I was guilty. I was guilty of sin for what I was there for. But the case got dropped. Really? They sent the stuff to get tested. It was too young. It didn't come back. It didn't. It didn't have the... THC, THC. Yet, So the whole case got dropped. I was in the process of pleading guilty to mm-hmm. the charge. Mm-hmm. They stopped the proceedings. There was a little recess while they talked, whispering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it came back. It's your lucky day. We're dropping the case. Wow. So I was looking at 15 years.
0: Really? That's what it would have been?
1: Yeah, roughly. Give or take. Because I had such a history. There was no, there was no leeway. Right. Um, I'd already used up all the goodwill of the, of the police, <laughs> the, system. the court, the system, yeah. So it got dropped. Um,
0: so that's another mercy you can look back on. Oh, absolutely. And say, I was given another I wouldn't chance.
1: be, there's no way I'd be here. I, there's no way.
0: If you'd had those years. Those years to harden sir, up, mm-hmm. to
1: make those associations that you make in prison. Uh-huh. Uh, don't believe missionaries go to prison to teach yes. to baptize do they uh, well
0: they have yeah they have service missionaries who go in and do that people who go and teach that's cool. uh-huh. I think a lot of conversion actually does happen in prison
1: that's cool uh-huh. I didn't know that
0: but, but as far as baptisms I guess I don't who know knows? I don't know that that's a good question
1: so, so I left there, determined to go down any other path, um, because I'd seen where the, my path led. But I just couldn't. I, it was everything was too baked in at that point. I was eighteen or nine, about eighteen, and I tried to change. I just couldn't because of substances. Um, so I just kind of fell back into the same, the same stuff. Um, it's just kind of who I was.
0: Well, I was curious, those addictions are strong. So yeah, how did you eventually find your way out of that?
1: Yeah, it, the next great (laughs) mercy, mercy, um, was, I was headed with a friend to um go to a practice for a sport and we were driving and I wasn't seat, oh I didn't have my seatbelt on uh-huh. and we're just driving along and he's he's driving in the passenger seat and going maybe I don't know 60-65 down a major highway in Baton Rouge and a drunk driver pulls out right in front of us as we're passing under a green light mm-hmm. and um We hit him broadside and killed him instantly. Um, I don't know exactly what happened other than I hit the windshield. I got turned around in the car, in the truck, and I woke up in the hospital um, with a bad, badly broken back, um, a pretty bad concussion. I was out for a while, apparently. And um, they they told me, we're not sure if you're going to walk again. I'm like, what are you talking about? you know about bone chips your, one of your uh, vertebrae's kind of like exploded and there's bone chips and you, you've, um, you've got some paralysis in one of your legs and we don't know what's going to happen with these bone chips but we're just not sure if you're going to be able to ever walk again uh-huh. um, so that was heavy um, being there when someone died was heavy for me um
0: And you're about 18?
1: Yeah, I'm 18 at this point. And I'm in a hospital, and I can't move. I'm strapped to the bed. I'm starting to think about some deep things. Um, Like, what what happens if I don't ever walk again? And I've never thought about death, but now we've just killed the person. It wasn't our fault, but I'm starting to think about things I've never thought about before. Because at 18, you're invincible. Of course. Me more than most, because I've done all these crazy things, and I've survived in one piece, and now all of a sudden, I don't know, I don't know if I'm going to walk again, mm. I don't know, I don't know how this is going to go, I'm not, it's all out of my control now, and I walked out, seven days later, I walked out of the hospital, hmm. um, and so I went home, they put a body brace on me, from my neck to my um, pelvis, and down one of my legs, and... It seemed like, it felt like life was over. I had to sell my, I had a hot rod car I was really proud of. I had to sell it because I couldn't, I lost my job. I couldn't work. I was at home all the time doing nothing mm-hmm. because I'm not, I'm not really allowed to do anything. And, um, while I'm there I'm watching the OJ Simpson trial, Okay. That's how bad life was. All I had to do all day was sit around (laughs) and watch the O.J. Simpson trial.
0: And it was on pretty much 24-7. It
1: was. (laughs) Yeah. I'm there, stuck, bored out of my mind, and then there's a knock at the door. What? Who is here?
0: Who is here? Missionaries. Surprise, surprise. And you cannot move anywhere, Missionaries.
1: What in the world? (laughs) Why are missionaries here? I don't want to talk to them. (laughs) <laughs> but I've got nothing to do, and I'm bored, so I'm going to let them mm-hmm. in, just to kill time. There you go. So
0: Something other than OJ.
1: Something other than OJ, thank goodness. So they, um, missionaries from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I didn't even know what that was. Um, They came in, and uh, it was awkward,
0: because
1: <laughs> they were... To me, they were really awkward. We're all the same age, right? Sure. I am, at this point, 19. And they're about 19. And, I mean, we could not be any more different.
0: Your backgrounds were stark.
1: Stark. In contrast. Yes. It was odd. I'd never met anyone like these kids. Really? Never. Hmm. South Louisiana. These guys were from Utah. (laughs) Um, A little bit of culture. I mean, everything that could be different was different. But, anyway, they came in. Um, mainly because I was bored, and then they started talking, and I was tuning them out because, you know, they're talking about Jesus Christ. My mom's an atheist. Okay. Kind of, kind of anti-religion. She was raised Catholic, and she had a lot of problems with religion and organized church and all that stuff. And she kind of talked to me about it, and I I kind of agreed that none of it really made sense. You know, uh, religions and heaven and hell and how it just didn't make sense that God would condemn some people to hell and all this stuff and you know she, her, her big point was what about all these people that lived in China what about all these people that lived in India that never even heard how are they going to go to hell you know what I mean that doesn't make sense I and like so, that point I didn't think it made sense either and I didn't you know <laughs> I didn't have much resp- honestly as bad as it sounds I didn't have much respect if there was a God I didn't have much respect for a God that would be that arbitrary. Right. Who he would allow to mm-hmm. come back to him. But I didn't think there was one, so it didn't matter, right? Okay. It was just so theoretical. So until this
0: point, you had kind of followed your mother's um, idea
1: of... I didn't want to hear it, you know? It, it kind of bothered me when people would go around and, and preach it. It just, it just bugged me. Okay. It didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. People that talked about that stuff were, I couldn't relate to them anyway. So anyway, they're sitting here talking about this stuff about a Heavenly Father and a Jesus Christ. And, you know, I've heard this stuff my whole life. You know, I don't, I don't care. But I'm not saying this. I'm just listening. I'm a listener. So I'm listening. And they leave me, um, I don't remember the exact order that they did things in, but I'm pretty sure they left me a Book of Mormon. And Okay, thanks. So they leave. Um, and pff, I could not care less.
0: You just tossed it. In one
1: ear. I didn't I didn't throw it away. Uh-huh. But in one ear, out the other. Okay, they leave back it to OJ. It was a diversion. Yeah, yeah, it was a short diversion. They left <laughs> back to OJ.
0: Um
1: and then I didn't really give much thought to what they anything they said. So, um they came back and knocked for their follow-up, and I didn't answer the door. Really? Yeah, not interested. So okay. they left. They came back again. <laughs> I think I opened the door that time. They came back in, same thing. They talked, I listened, they left. I forgot it. Went back to OJ. <laughs> I always had OJ to fall back on. <laughs> um, they, they came back, and I didn't open the door. Came back again. I don't know how many times I had to come back, but finally I let them in for the third time. Okay. Um, the third discussion. I don't know if they, I know they don't, because I won't spoil the story, but it was the <laughs> third discussion. <laughs> they came in. I sat down. They started talking. I started listening. And then something happened. Um, the third discussion in 1995 was where did we come from before we were born why are we here where are we going when we we die like what's God's plan what's his purpose and um, they they taught me that day that I lived with God before I came to earth oh they taught me that I was here God, God sent me here. I agreed to come here and that one of the reasons I was here to, was to have a family and that God wanted that family to, to last forever, not just until death do you part, but to last forever. And um, that if I had a family here and I followed his plan, That I would my family would be able to continue on, and um, that was the that was the first thing that made my ears kind of prick up a little bit. Mm -hmm. What? (laughs) This is not the God I've heard about. I've never heard this before. They taught me that God has a plan for all of his children, not just some of them. And so I I got a little bit interested at this point. I felt something. Um, I want that, I think is what I felt. Hmm. If that's true, I don't think it's true, but if it were true, that would be something that I would actually want. It's the first time I'd ever heard anything about God and thought, I want that. Wow. (laughs) So...
0: Sounded more heavenly to you.
1: Yeah, there was something there besides harps, clouds and mm-hmm. stuff that I had no interest in doing. You know, I didn't wanna sing or strum a harp for eternity. <laughs> Never played an instrument in my life. Don't plan on <laughs> learning. <laughs> he wouldn't wanna to listen to me sing for eternity. <laughs> um, so at that point, I picked up the Book of Mormon I read some of it and uh, I started to think about it, ponder it. Um, I I knelt down and said the first prayer I've ever said in my life. I remember the fear. Uh, I was so afraid to say that prayer. I don't even know why because I knew if if I said that prayer and if I got an answer, (laughs) that nothing would ever be the same. And I wasn't even happy. So I don't know why that would have scared me. (laughs) I was so unhappy, Hmm. so angry. But I thought I was happy. I mean, I was doing things that brought me pleasure, at least in the moment. And the thought of giving up those things because everything that gave me any sort of pleasure was going to be off the table. <laughs> I already knew that. I knew that. So it was, it, was, it, was, it was, I felt like I was stepping off a ledge into darkness, hoping that there would be something there when I put yes. my foot down. Yes. Um, so I, 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 I remember I, the fear is so, I can still remember it so clearly. But even stronger than that. stronger than the fear was a desire to, to just have something better to be better to, to do better so I, I went ahead knelt down and said the prayer I just asked him Are you real? I'm sorry. It's okay. Are you there? Is this Is this true what they said? everything they've been telling me. The scariest thing I ever said was if it's true, if you let me know if it's true, I'll do anything. I was so afraid to say that, but I meant it. I'll do anything. If it's true, just let me know. said that, and I stopped, and I thought, and I felt, I felt happy for the first time. I, I'd, I'd felt pleasure before. Um, I, I'd had things go right before in my life and been excited about them, but I'd never been happy before. I've never felt peace before. And after I asked him that, I felt happy. something that I could never I could never find on my own it was just there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: to me, it seemed like it just came out of thin air. peace and happiness. That was the first day of the rest of my life. Wow. <laughs> they came back and I, I let them in. <laughs> <laughs> I never shut them out again. Hmm. And uh, I told them what happened. They were probably happier than I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. we, uh, we went through the discussions. I learned the rest of what they had to teach me. And uh, very excitedly made the decision to get baptized. Um, I I remember... I remember a few things. I remember Elder... He had the coolest name of any elder or anyone. His name was Elder Boss. <laughs> elder Boss. Boss, yeah. Nice. Elder Boss, he became... They switched the first couple of elders that came. They were on an exchange or whatever it's called where you split. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those weren't my actual elders. Another miracle was Elder Boss was my elder who was from California, not Utah. Not that Utah's a bad place. Right, right. But Elder Boss had a history. Not quite a history like mine, but he had a history. And so as soon as we met, we connected. Mm-hmm. I forgot that part of the story. Um, And we became kind of like best friends in a way. I know elders aren't supposed to be super best friends with people they're teaching. But, um, I remember he told me, you know, everything feels good right now. Everything's easy right now, but Satan's going to come for you. And it's going to, he's going to come hard because he does not like the decision you're making and that you've made. So I made the decision to be baptized, uh, I finally the day finally came uh, I even got my mom to come cool. to watch I got baptized at that time you got the the gift of the Holy Ghost right then hmm after you get baptized same day and the baptism was cool it was great it was awesome but the gift of the Holy Ghost I could barely walk back to my seat after that, it's, it's always described as like a spiritual thing, but it was so powerful. It was a physical, spiritual, emotional, everything. And I was, I expected my mom, you know, to be there with me. I, something, everything is different. I couldn't explain it. I was, I, I was trying to explain to her what just happened to me. Everything feels different. Everything's different. And she, was, she didn't get it. <laughs> I became a new person, a completely different person in the blink of an eye. That's the only way I can describe it. After I received the gift of the Holy Ghost, everything changed. I went went to tell my friends about it, what had happened to me. And they were like, I don't even recognize you. What happened? You don't talk the same, you don't look the same. Like everybody noticed. The people, you know... Nobody seemed to notice quite as much as my old friends. They were like, wow, we don't even know what's going on. Like, I, didn't, I didn't sound the same. I didn't look the same. It was crazy. So, yeah. Um, I was a different person, but as Elder Boss warned me, mm-hmm. Satan came, and he came hard. <laughs> in the form of a stripper.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Well, um,
0: nope, this is real life.
1: Yeah, it's real life. So I fell away a little bit. Elder boss got transferred. Um, I didn't really have any friends yet except my elder, which is why elders probably mm. don't need to be the best friends. Mm-hmm. So I fell away a little bit when he left because I was there was a big hole there I didn't have anybody to hang out with. So I started hanging out with my old friends, going to bars, mm-hmm. met a stripper. Started going another way. And I remember um, pretty distinctly... We were laying in bed, and she had a Bible on her headboard. And I was laying there, kind of feeling awful, and I picked up the Bible, started flipping through it, and I just looked at her and said, "I can't do this. I've got to. I've got to go back to church. You can come with me. That'd be great. But." I, got, I can't do this. i got to go back to church. And she said, no, I can't go to church. They'll judge me. They'll do this. They'll do that. I was like, no, it's not like that. It's not like those other churches. You know, the people, they they let me in. If they let me in, they'll let anybody in. <laughs> uh, but she she wasn't doing it. She wasn't hearing it. And when I went back, that was it. I was in both feet.
0: would you say after all of this story you've been how long have you been a member of the church?
1: 26 years and five months.
0: Wow that's pretty good.
1: April 9th 1995.
0: Nice. So in those years how do you think your life is different now than it would have been were you not to have joined the church.
1: Okay, um, I'm, f- I'm alive and I'm free. Those are the two biggest differences. I have no doubt that I would either be dead or in jail. Um, so aside from that, I think the, the biggest difference is that I'm happy truly happy um, it's something I never knew before I can't there's no way that I could say that I would be happy because it's something that didn't come into my life that I never experienced until the gospel of Jesus Christ until, until not just the gospel because the gospel was there in my house but until I opened myself and faced my fears and took this, a leap of faith and said a prayer. But I didn't just say a prayer. I... In the process of saying a prayer, I inadvertently maybe turned my life over to God. You did. Maybe it was advertent. <laughs> maybe I meant to. I don't know. Um, but in the course of that prayer, I understood. I began to understand as I started to say the prayer that it meant... Um, finding, getting an answer meant that I had taken action. Um, I started, I think I started off wanting to know is this true and ended up saying, if this is true, I'll do whatever you've told me to do. Hmm. I'll do whatever, I'll do anything.
0: So we are a covenant people and you were naturally making a covenant with God that you would give your life to him essentially if he were to answer that prayer yes,
1: yes yeah I didn't go in with that intent but (laughs) it quickly dawned on me that that's if if I were to get an answer I had to make a choice and I chose do anything I would do anything to know if it were true if there was a God if he was my father if he cared about me and he loved me and he was willing to overlook um, my reign of terror (laughs) and allow me to have forgiveness to have a family to be with them forever Then I would give anything for that, and so I told him that, and um, yeah. So happiness um, is the biggest difference. It was a night. It was night and day. It was dark and light. It's just like a sunrise. Um, I came out of darkness, and the contrast could not have been any more stark. Hmm.
0: Um, and your life now is pretty sweet as I understand as you
1: understand
0: <laughs> you have a great family oh my
1: gosh um, yeah I have um, a little bit more than I deserve I guess is probably the best way to put it I'm um, I've, I've, um, married a beautiful talented faithful woman Um, who's way over my head (laughs) Um, and together we have seven children and they are the most beautiful people I've ever seen in my life Um, spiritually emotionally physically they're just beautiful Um, we have a farm 60 acres Um, we have everything we need Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before I dropped out of high school so that's not something that you would expect <laughs> um, Make with the poor choices that I've made uh, early on but um, when I turned my life over to him he he took he took the wheel and um, I've just been blessed in so many ways and I'm I'm so unworthy of all of it that it's hard sometimes it's hard to comprehend and it's hard to accept all of these blessings but uh, I do it humbly because um, they're not just for me you know he doesn't bless me or anyone for them Hmm. we're blessed um, and expected to to spread it around and to share it and to to testify of him and to help others find what we found and that's that's really the thing that brings me the most joy is sharing my testimony with my children letting them know the dirtbag that I was (laughs) and how much pain I caused people and um, just helping them become good people and letting them know that uh, our Heavenly Father In Jesus Christ. Not only are they real, not only do they live, but they're so close, so close to us. Um, It doesn't really matter how we feel or what we've done or how far from them we feel. They're right there, always right there. They were right there for me always. Hmm. Through all those dark times, so many blessings and so many little coincidences that kept me safe and got me to that day in March of 1995 when the elders knocked on my door. Mm -hmm. I shouldn't have been there. There's no way I should have been there.
0: Right? It's amazing.
1: I probably should have still been in jail, but I wasn't. (laughs) Definitely shouldn't have been home, but I was. Sulking in my body brace. Um,
0: Sometimes we have to hit that rock bottom to find him, I think. So my final question for you is,
1: how do you feel about Jesus Christ? How do I feel about Jesus Christ? Um, people call him the Savior. You hear that a lot, the Savior. Um. He's my Savior. I'm, I'm not talking about in the future um, because I understand that He is my Savior and He will be. He'll be there to advocate for me um, when I stand before God. Um, but He's my Savior in this life. Um, I was dead. I wasn't dead yet. But I may as well have been dead. Um, everybody that knew me knew that I was either going to be locked up or dead. Hmm. Um, and he saved me. I don't know why. Uh, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. no one can. Uh, but i was it's, it feels like I was as far away as you can get and he's. He still saved me. He's my rescuer.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, I think you speak for all of us. None of us deserve what he's done for us. And there's no way we can repay him. But um, thanks be to God for the gift of his son. Amen. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Elder Dallin H. Oaks, a modern-day apostle, said, the greatest miracle is not in such things as restoring sight to the blind, healing an illness, or even raising the dead, since all of those restorations will happen in any event in the resurrection. Those are miracles, but an even greater miracle is a mighty change of heart by a son or daughter of God. When I walked into the living room where our interview took place, I saw a man who looked to be a kind father and friend. I couldn't see evidence anywhere of the pain and sadness that had accompanied Matthew for the first part of his life. His story is a witness of what Christ can do with us when we hand our souls over to him. As I listened to Matthew speak about the first time he prayed aloud, I couldn't help thinking of one of my favorite people in the Book of Mormon who made this promise in prayer. If there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known unto me, and I will give away all my sins to know thee. Thank you, Matthew, for telling your story. Remember, when thou art converted, strengthen each other.